I'm Misty Winkler, and I'm here with episode 12 of the Simply Convivial audio blog. This is the Simply Convivial audio blog, short but meaty focus sessions to help you keep your head in the game as a homeschool mom. Convivial, if broken down to the Latin parts, means with life. And that's what we want for our homeschools, isn't it? Convivial is about the atmosphere of our homes and homeschools. It points us to a life lived abundantly, bursting at the seams, with all the mess and recovery that that entails. Simply, on the other hand, reminds us to put first things first and not complicate living or learning. Just do it together. Simply Convivial. We claim the label classical for our homeschool because all the great pre-modern educators remind us that education is about growing in wisdom, not increasing our earning potential. Those reminders about how to grow in wisdom have been remarkably consistent until Darwinism captured the West's imagination. Read widely, discuss, and do the right thing. We all want some variation on that theme, whatever label we choose. So let's gear up and keep our priorities straight. Let's do it. In season two, I'm going through an old series based off my first reading of the teaching classic, The Seven Laws of Teaching by John Milton Gregory. I called this series The Seven Laws of Teaching Your Own and worked through adapting his classroom examples to homeschool examples, focusing on the principles that apply to learning across the board. You can visit simplyconvivial.com audio to download a summary sheet of The Seven Laws and find each episode as they're released, as well as the original series. And now, the meat. The Seven Laws of Teaching Your Own Law 6, The Law of the Learning Process What is a teacher? What is teaching? According to John Milton Gregory, author of The Seven Laws of Teaching, the art of education, or teaching, is twofold. Teaching is the art of training. Teaching is leading the students into paths of physical, mental, and moral fitness. Two, teaching is the art of instructing. Teaching stimulates a love of learning and forms habits of independent study. Gregory also writes that teaching is the communication of experience. Experience includes facts, truths, doctrines, ideas, ideals, skills, and arts. Communication includes words, signs, objects, actions, and examples. By this definition, then, it's clear that the homeschooling mom is not the student's sole teacher. It is the books used more than the mother that teach. This relieves a lot of the pressure. Even more pressure can be relieved if the teaching that we do give and the books we provide work with the grain of the nature of learning rather than against it. That's why it's important that we know these laws. Law 6. The Law of the Learning Process the pupil must reproduce in his own mind the truth to be learned. Gregory wishes us to remember that in all our planning and teaching, quote, there is a clear and distinct act or process that we wish the students to accomplish, that is, learning. It is primarily the learner's task, not the teacher's. He must drink freely and it cannot be forced. Learning is more directly the work of the student than the teacher. The work of education is much more the work of the pupil than the teacher. Learning comes by processes of interpretation. Until the knowledge coming forth from the teacher, the mother or the books, 
is churned and assimilated within the child, that knowledge does not become his possession. Our goal is that our students gain clear and distinct conceptions of new facts and new principles. But how can we facilitate that? By giving them opportunities to digest the material and derive its benefits. Basically, narrate, narrate, narrate. Gregory writes, It is indispensable that a student should become an investigator. That is, his knowledge should not come to him too directly or too easily. He will not grow strong and curious by getting quick and easy answers from mom and dad. He should lead expeditions, wander in forests, brave new worlds. He should seek. This process of learning, of digesting and assimilating knowledge, goes through a regular progression, from the weak starting point to the goal. First, committing a lesson verbatim to memory is not learning. It might be necessary or useful groundwork, but it is not learning. Two, understanding the thought behind the lesson is not learning. This is a superficial level still. Three, the ability to paraphrase an idea without loss of meaning shows the beginning of learning. Four, knowledge of proofs and evidences, the whys and wherefores, for or against ideas or facts, shows a growing capacity. And finally, fifth, application of the knowledge personally is the end goal of learning, not merely possessing, but using one's knowledge. Learning is not complete until it has been applied. Gregory writes, The boy who finds use for what he has learned in his lesson becomes doubly interested and successful in his schoolwork. However, Gregory warns us again to remember the age of our pupils and not to expect of them what is beyond them. Children begin by learning with their senses, then they progress to understand the practical, and only later do they achieve the reasoning capacity they need to delve deep into the world of ideas. Here is a great relief and a great challenge. Education is not so much our work as our children's work, our duty to oversee, to guide, to motivate, to ensure it happens. Now that means more pushing and hassling and prodding will not work, but it also means that we have to trust God with our children. We can't make them learn. For a time, I was skeptical and dubious of anyone who would claim that children naturally love knowledge and learning. After all, we are all fallen and sinful. Can we say that something good is natural to them? However, I now understand that it is natural to humans as image bearers and dominion takers to desire and love knowledge and understanding. So the more sinful tendencies of all sorts exist in us and our children, the more that right love is squelched. The first and foremost steps in education, then, is early training in obedience and good temper and self-control. Without those, the relationship between parent and child will too often center around dominance and obstinacy and battle. Of course, obedience and the corresponding fruit of the Spirit are always an ongoing process. But if parents are not recognized authorities, generally submitted to with love and joy, well then schooling really isn't going to happen. It will always be a constant struggle. Once that battle is won in the main, ideally long before formal lessons begin, then the child's spirit is free to focus as it ought. And with all of us, the more our hearts are directed toward God, right living, and gratitude, the greater will be our thirst for knowledge about Him. 
the greater will be our thirst for knowledge about Him who is the source of all knowledge and to whom all knowledge points. For true learning, for true joy of learning and desire for learning, rebelliousness must be banished. Here then are five ways that we can apply the law of the learning process to our homeschools. First, give students a clear outline of their work to be done. Children focus best when the expectations are clear and laid out ahead of time. Two, require both exact recitations and paraphrased narrations. There is a place for both, but remember that paraphrased narrations demonstrate thought, whereas exact recitations do not necessarily mean they understand. Three, ask the child perpetually why, so that he knows that a reason for his statements will always be required. The child has no authority to make statements on his own. Ask him why, make him defend himself, and by so doing, teach him to question himself and others. Four, make him a student of nature and a seeker of truth, a researcher. The daily metaphor should be one of a quest, not of a grind. Five, seek a profound regard for truth and a hatred for shams and sophistries. It sounds good, isn't a defense, much as I like to think it is. Gregory claims that violations of this law are the ones that prove most fatal. Certainly, the whole point of teaching is moot if there is no learning process happening. Violation 1. Haste to move on precludes time for thinking things into clearness. Our focus should always be more on the student than on covering a certain amount of material in a certain time. Violation 2. Failure to insist on original thinking. We don't want regurgitation spewed out. We want internalization, assimilation, digestion. Violation 3. Teaching implicit belief in the books rather than expecting reasons and proofs. We want thinking children, not brainwashed children. In the end, Gregory insists, questioning is not, therefore, merely one of the devices of teaching. It is really the whole of teaching. Let us make time for asking why and for following through with their reasoning. And now it's time for the simple sanity saver, your homeschool audit. Now the next section in the free homeschool audit guide asks you to audit the flow of your day. Now auditing your flow might sound a lot like auditing your schedule, but it's a little bit of a different angle. When you examine your flow, you're looking at what each child should be working on when, where you should be while they're doing that, how your time is best allocated in the midst of a variety of needs, how kids transition from one subject to another, and how to help smooth those transitions for everyone. One key area to look at is how your children let you know that they need your help. Do they interrupt? Do you forget? What systems can you put in place to make sure everyone gets what they need without a lot of extra stress or drama? We should do whatever we can to minimize frustration for all and make it habitual to move through our day with the law of kindness on our tongues. How does your school day begin? How do you call your kids back in after they've had a recess or lunch? Do they go off and play when they should be working? How can you communicate with them so that getting the day's work done is a family team effort? 
rather than mom trying to pull everyone along. These are important questions to ask and important solutions to seek if we want to have a convivial atmosphere. Find and download your own free homeschool audit guide and answer these questions and others like it so that you can better assess your homeschool progress and find the help that you need at simplyconvivial.com audio. Thank you for listening to the Simply Convivial audio blog. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. This helps the iTunes algorithm know that it should share it with others looking for homeschool inspiration. And if you haven't already, head on over to simplyconvivial.com audio for links to the latest episodes, the homeschool audit download, and to sign up to get the show notes by email every week. Remember, education is repentance. Repent, rejoice, repeat. Repent.